Pastor Leon and his wife Sheila founded Gospel Tabernacle Church in 1982 in the heart of Lawrence, South Carolina. Since then, the Lord has richly blessed and increased the ministry and family of Gospel Tabernacle Church. Here at Gospel Tabernacle, we believe in the power of the Word of God to change the hearts and lives of believers. Gospel Tabernacle is a family church ministering to the whole family through the charismatic teaching ministry. Today's message will grow your faith and draw you close to the Lord as you open your heart to God's Word and His Spirit. For my scripture that I'm using as a text, I'm using uh, Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 18. Uh, Notice in the scripture it says, And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the power to get wealth. And that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. When Moses penned that scripture some uh, 3,500 years ago, maybe right along that range, 32, 34, 500 years ago, when he did, uh, he was last day of his life telling the children of Israel as they're going into the promised land this godly wisdom. And he tells them that you're to remember the Lord your God. So when you think about a better financial life, when you're thinking about your needs being supplied, there's a lot of places the world goes to. They will go to our natural abilities, and we'll, we'll use some of that. But we go to our natural abilities. We go to what is in the earth, or we look to the way the world says they do things financially. But if you're going to be blessed financially, the first thing you need to do is remember the Lord your God. Here's the reason. For it is He who gives you the power, the authority, the way to get wealth. Wealth comes from God. I know that the world and certain religious organizations don't believe that. But wealth comes from God. When you get into, uh, uh, you know, some of our churches in days gone by and still today, of course, some of our churches would tell us that wealth is evil, it's wicked, uh, you know, this, those rich people, they're just a bunch of bad people, and uh, they stole, they cheated, they robbed. That's how they got it and that kind of thing. And you hear that kind of stuff like, are there people that do things like that? There are, but, but that's not what we're talking about today. What we're talking about is a person who has submitted themselves to the Lord Jesus Christ, gave their heart and life to him, want to serve him with all that they have within them, and they themselves are now blessed of God, and God begins to make them wealthy in their life, and God begins to bless them as they walk faithfully before him. And it is he that gives us that power to get wealth. There's no greater financial book that you can read other than the Bible itself. If you would go, and, and bookstores are not quite as full as what they used to be, but if you go to things like Book A Million or you go to different places that you would see that, that sell books and go back into that business section or that personal finance section, you can see just tons of material there. Tons, and, and some of it does have some good quality truth in it. And most always that truth is founded and based in the Bible. But you can go to your Bible, the book that you have in your hand or the, the pad that you have in front of you, whatever, and you can find all kind of success uh, stories of people who became uh, wealthy that God blessed and God used. We'll look at one of those here as we go along in our study. Uh, You can find all kind of tips, all kind of financial wisdom, instruction, rules, things you can do in your life. And if you apply them to your life, 
If you apply them to the li- your life, you will be blessed in this life, and you'll begin to see wealth built in your life. AJ, you have that book right there, that red book? Um, in, in my book that I did, uh, Tithing Out for Scriptures, if you look in the back, there are 24 24 different things in the back that I included out of uh, really 260 uh, giving scriptures. 24 of them have to do with your personal finance. And the practice of every, you put every one of these 24 things that I've got there. And we talk about them here uh, again and again uh, over the years as we do. And every five years you'll hear at least one of those uh, 24 because that's how long it takes to get through the book. But uh, we do that. And uh, those 24 principles are just guaranteed to bless you financially if we practice them and if we do them. And so what Moses is saying here, children of Israel, when you go into the promised land, remember this, it's God that gives you the power to get wealth. And the reason he's doing it, he's establishing his covenant. He promised to Abraham that he would bless him and make his seed great in the earth. And so he's got to bless you to fulfill the covenant or the promise that he made unto Abraham. And so part of why we are blessed today is because we're children of Abraham. Uh, again, maybe you're not blood lineage of Abraham, but through the seed of Christ Jesus, the book of Galatians chapter 3 tells us that we are the seed of Abraham. How many knows your seed of Abraham? Say amen. We are. We are his descendants. And so we've got right to make claim to this promise here that the Lord God is us. He's empowering us to get wealth in our life. And so how will we believe the Bible, how we understand it? Right there. God says that I remember him. He's the one who gives me power to get wealth. So I begin living my life knowing God gives me the power to get wealth. God gives me the power to get wealth. I have power from God to get wealth. I have knowledge from God to get wealth. I have the authority from God to get wealth. I am able to become wealthy by the blessings of God in my life. We took that as our text. I won't go through the rest of them in that detail, but remember we looked in Deuteronomy 28, and he talked to us in Deuteronomy 28, verse 19, and he, and he told us, that a blessed nation was one that lends into many nations and doesn't borrow. And, and so the, the blessed person is the person that doesn't have to borrow. He becomes a lender rather than a borrower. It is not a sin, again, to borrow money. It's not a sin to uh, have a debt, any of those things. Jesus talked about that in the New Testament. And, and so it's not a sin, but the real blessing is on that person that does not have to borrow. He's not a borrower. What was some sayings we had years ago? Neither a borrower nor a lender be, those kind of things. You can see some of those things that Benjamin Franklin talked about years ago when he wrote the writing called Poor Richard's Almanac, that kind of thing, and get, just gave a lot of things. Uh, he, here's something else you could think about as well in the area of borrowing lending. If you went back, if you went back into the 30s and the 40s and the 50s of America, you wouldn't have found people borrowing money. Not the last thing in the world they would have been doing been borrowing money. In fact, you wouldn't have saw people borrow money for even houses. I mean, this thing of credit and borrowing is a newer phenomenon in America that sort of kicked off into the 60s and has made its way to where we're at now to the height of everything. I mean, it's really a change. It's just a difference in in mindset and thinking uh, over generations in America. But... The blessed life is when we do not have to borrow money. We saw in Joshua 1, chapter, verse 8, that the Scripture tells us that uh, as we meditate the Word of God, we put it in our mouth, we put it in our heart, then He's told us in Joshua 1 and 8, then you shall make your way prosperous. Again, if I can get that across to you, that's, that's a major milestone. You make your way prosperous. 
You and I make our way prosperous. A lot of us as Christians, we want to take uh, the God route, so to speak, to where we do nothing and just say, God, bless me, make me wealthy, make me rich, make me prosperous. I'm waiting, Lord. Hello. Is there anybody up there? Hello. No. You will make your way prosperous. And some people think that they have the idea that they're going to ask God to do something. And they don't do absolutely anything. Not nothing. Not one. We won't lift a finger. We won't do anything whatsoever. But no, no. There is something you have to do, particularly in the area of finances of your life. We saw in First Chronicles 29, 11, where the Bible teaches, and David told us many things, but he said this in 29, 11, then verse 12, riches and honor come of God. Riches and honor come of God. If riches and honor were bad, they wouldn't be coming from God because everything God gives is good. People can take things and turn it to bad, but no, everything God gives is good. You've heard people talk about, I've been rich, I've been poor, and rich is better. If you've ever been in a lifestyle of poverty when you didn't have enough and there, and there was a, you know, enough things going on in your life to bless you in those kind of ways, you'll really, 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 really know and are grateful for what God does when he supplies your needs in your life. And you recognize, no, 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 that's a blessing. It's not a blessing for me not to be able to pay my bills. It's not a blessing for me not to be able to have adequate food on our table or adequate clothing in our home or have heat like today, you know, the weather sort of changed on us a little bit and got a little cold. It's not a blessing to wake up cold. Has anybody ever woke up cold in the house? I have. Have you? I have. I woke up cold. Woke up cold. I woke up in the mornings and uh, years ago and as a child, and we woke up, and there was no um, oil in the tank. We had, you know, a tank, oil tank in the back. There was no oil in it, and uh, there's, the whole house was cold. And you know what happens when you wake up in a cold house, and this was a, a trailer that we lived in, and you wake up in a cold house and trailer, you know what happens? The pipe freezes, and then, then you don't have any water. And so they don't have your water and your coal. I mean, you know, and it's a whole lot better to be able to afford to heat your house all the time where the pipes don't freeze. I mean, can say amen. That's a lot better. And, and so there's a lot of good things like that in life. I remember waking up one time, and we ate for breakfast. This is what we had for breakfast. The only thing we had in the house, we, we had salting crackers. You remember those big square salting crackers? Not little ones like we, I don't know why we don't get the big square ones anymore. But anyway, all these little bags. But there was a the big square one. And we laid out square, we had some of those, and laid those out and had a little bit of coffee. And so my breakfast was a square salting cracker laying in a plate and poured coffee on top of it and eat it. It tastes like eating, you know, wet uh, cardboard. But, <laughs> but that was it before we got to school. And that was my breakfast. I mean, so I've been there. I, I know that, and I, you know, those kind of things. But, and I realized this, it's a lot better to be able to choose what you want to eat. It's a lot better to have adequate food in the house. It's, it's much better. And God wants you to be blessed. He, he don't want you to live in, in that range of places where maybe I've been, maybe some of you have been as well. And so riches don't come of God. He, he told us, he told us in Job 36, 11, that if you obey him and serve him, two things, obey and serve, you'll have days of prosperity and years of pleasure. Everybody say days of prosperity. And everybody say years, years of pleasure. Well, if you obey him and serve him. Now, if you don't, if you don't, you, don't, you can't claim that promise. So you've got to have the obedience. You've got to have the service in there. Okay. Psalms chapter 1 tells us, blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. If you listen to the ungodly, they'll keep you ungodly and they'll keep you broke because normally the ungodly are after anything and everything you've got. Uh, just how it works. So you, you can't listen to them. 
there. We saw in Psalm 84:10, the young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. If you'll seek God and put him first in your life, you'll see your needs supplied in your life and the blessings of God will come on you and really overtaking you. Goodness and mercy, what they do, they follow us all the days of our life. And so you'll see the blessings of God just come after you. I, I say this, if you do what God says do in Scripture, it is hard. It is, you have to fight against it to keep from coming wealthy if you'll do what God says in Scripture. It's, it's, it's hard. It's hard not to. To amass wealth, if you do what God says, do because it, it works. All right, we we saw in Psalms thirty-five, verse twenty-seven. Notice this: that the Lord, we give Lord praise, and we continually say that He has pleasure in the prosperity of His servants. God is pleased when you are doing well financially. God is happy when your needs are met. God's happy when you got good food on the table to eat. He, he's happy when, when you're in a home and, and you know, you're not going to get blown away when next time a thunderstorm comes or whatever. He, he's happy in your life. He, he's joyful to see you have good things. It's okay to have good things. If you heard it said many times, it's okay to have good things. What is it? We just don't want the things to have us. And so you can put the Lord in his proper perspective as Lord of your life over everything. That's where it is. And you do that, it, it's okay. It's okay to be blessed and have some good things in your life. Do some things you want to do, whatever. It's, it's wonderful. It's wonderful to do that. And so, so God, God is happy about that. We saw in Psalms 37 verse 4, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Not, not just a want or a need, but a desire. I just, hey, Lord, I'd just like to have this. What about that, Lord? That'd be all right? Yeah. Lord, love for you to have that. That's just wonderful, just a desire of your heart. In Proverbs 3, 9, the Bible says, Honor the Lord, or honor the Lord with your substance and with the first fruits of all your increase. So if I honor God with my substance, substance is not income. Substance is what I have and what I possess and what I own. If you, if you honor the Lord with your substance, uh, notice it says, and then with the first fruit of your increase, that's your income. So you've got substance and you've got income. Substance is what I own, is my assets. And then I have my income or my increase. And if I honor the Lord with my substance and the first fruits of my in, uh, increase, all that comes, he says, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your presses will burst out with new wine. And, and so you don't go to the cupboard and it's empty and it's bare. Uh, you, you go there and it's just bursting out. I mean, years, years ago, a few years ago, uh, we converted one of our rooms in our house, uh, or a portion of it anyway, uh, to uh, a pantry. And, you know, we just had our kitchen before that, and we went to the pantry, and then we got that, and she said, that's not enough. And so she started storing stuff in the garage. And then we got our refrigerator that, you know, became a side-by-side refrigerator in the house, and then, that's not enough, and she got a freezer now that she put out in the garage. So now we got these refrigerators, and, fr and she still needs a bigger freezer, she says. Now she needs a bigger freezer, and she needs a bigger place to store more food. And I don't know what we're going to do with all that stuff, but anyway, it's there. But it's what's happened. My presses are bursting out with new wine. I'm just, our cup runs over. Everybody say, my cup runs over. Cup runs over. All right. In Proverbs 10, 23, the blessing of the Lord, it makes the rich and adds no sorrow with it. Without apology, the blessing of the Lord will make you rich. Everybody say, the blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich. It's that blessing when it falls on you will make you rich. And it will. 
It will, the blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich. And then notice it says, and adds no sorrow with that. You, you don't have to have the sorrow that money can bring into your life. And it can. If not used in a godly way, it can bring much sorrow into your life. Proverbs 13, verse 22 says, A good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children, and the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. And so a good man is not a man that just has all of his needs supplied and provides for his family, but he has enough that he's going to make, and he's going to leave an inheritance to his children's children. Not only his children, but to his children's children. And he, that inheritance goes with them. And, and so you, you can't do that. Unless you're blessed financially. You have to be blessed in order to do that. And, and so we believe that. We believe that we're a good man. That's our goal. It's not our goal just enough to, you know, to go on my uh, next vacation or goal just to do this or do that or buy my next vehicle or my next house or my next set of <laughs> golf clubs or whatever. It's not just my goal just to do that. My goal is to, to enjoy life and to bless our family, but at the same time to have enough abundance that I'm going to leave something uh, into our family as it goes forward, children's children. It's really called generational wealth, generational wealth. If you have that and you can do that, then you can set up your family and your children, children after you as you begin to pass things forward unto them. And there can be blessings in your life. I mean, uh, years ago, uh, my dad gave us, uh, well, really at that time it was like six acres of land. And what a blessing that was for us to have six acres of land that we had to pay for and, and we didn't have to, 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 to buy. It was a great blessing to us. Uh, we'll, we'll see. Now, if he hadn't had that land, couldn't give it to us that way, then we'd have to work, use our money, and go buy it, right? And so if we did that, we wouldn't have to have that money to do other things with we wanted to do. And, and so if you can pass some things on into your children and, and put some assets into their hands where they're at, then you're creating what we call generational wealth. You're creating wealth that's going to go to the next generation, not just you. Not just you. Brother Copeland said many years ago when people talked about, you know, well, I don't believe in all this prosperity stuff. He said, well, that's fine if you don't feel like you need anything for yourself. But go ahead and be prosperous anyway and just give it and pass it on to others. Because it's not just about me and my four and us four and no more. Not, not, not just that. It's, it's about others will bless and other people in our life that will bless. And, and so that's, that's one reason we need to become blessed and prosperous in our lives. We talked about that. And then finally, Proverbs 21, verse 5. The thoughts of the diligent tend only to plentiness, but of everyone that is hasty only to wants. In other words, we have the thoughts, we have the plans that tend or move us in such a way we're going to plentiness. We have a lot. We have plenty. There is more than enough. We have plenty to do what we need to do with. And that's where our thoughts are. That's where we're going to be in our life, thinking along those ways. Now then, let's go to Proverbs 22, verse 7. Now, that verse of Scripture there, verse, Proverbs 22, verse 7, that and also one in Matthew are the two financial verses of Scriptures in, in my life that have had the greatest effect on me. Proverbs 22, verse 7. The rich rule over the poor. Notice there's a, a ruler and there's a servant here. One, the ruler is the rich, the servant is the poor. The rich rules over the poor, and a borrower is a servant of the lender. A borrower is servant of the lender. Some places say a borrower is slave to the lender. 
that particular verse of Scripture is the one that I had read and saw many times in my life. But uh, as I begin to say, and you've heard me say before, Dave Ramsey uh, mentioned that on his show, and he talked about it and talked about it and talked about it and made me mad for me to listen to him. Because when I would listen to him, and this is about prior to 2008, and when I would listen to him, I would say these words, Dave, you don't understand. I know you're some rich cat up here in Nashville, Tennessee, and you got all this money, and you don't understand what it's like to be poor. You don't understand what it's like not to be able to go to college. You don't understand what it's like not to have any wealth, not to have your basic needs and necessities met. You don't understand what it's like to start out in a poverty area. You, you don't know. And he would keep saying that over and over again. And he'd keep telling me that. Leon, every time you borrow money, you are becoming a servant to that lender that you borrow from. And finally, he just said to me over and over again, and I begin to hear it like this, uh, you know, Leon, you've got to be crazy if you borrow another dime, another dollar ever in your life. Because as long as I keep borrowing, I'm going to keep being a servant. And if I ever want to quit being a servant, I've got to quit borrowing. And, and so at that time, we had $135,000 worth of debt. And at that time, we, we hold on, uh, you know, um, college education for my daughter that I was still paying on. Uh, we, we owed on our vehicle that we had. Uh, we owed on our house that we had, $70,000. You know, a lot of things we owed on and all these kind of things. And we made a decision. We'll never, ever. Now, listen to this. We, we'll never, ever borrow another dollar the rest of our life. Regardless of what happens, we'll never borrow another dollar for the rest of our lives. We will not borrow any more money. Now, the thing was, when, when we made that decision, no extra money came in during our life. In, in fact, there were some difficult years, and that was part of a year where we went, or at that period of time, seven years. Count them. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Not the eight, nine, but one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven years without a raise. Zero. Zilch. Seven years. That's the same time this was going on. Same time. Then 2008, the financial housing thing hit. People had borrowed money on subprime loans that they really couldn't afford in the first place, shouldn't have borrowed the money, and they began to, you know, all the, renege on all those loans. They couldn't pay them. They went in foreclosure. The housing market crashed. All, all that kind of thing happened, and what it did at that special time, and then A.J. goes to college. And I'm saying we'll never borrow another dime the rest of our life. Now, so when you make a decision that you're going to live financially, it doesn't mean that all of a sudden everything just turns wonderful in your life and money just starts coming in from every direction and you're like Tiny Tim tiptoeing through the tulips and money, you know. No, 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 no. No, it, no. I, I hate to use this language. You understand it, but sometimes all hell can break loose when you make a decision that you're truly going to stand on God's word. And it did for us. It, it did for us. But uh, we, we determined we'd do it. And what we saw was God provide for us again and again and again and again. And we paid off every bit of 2008, 2013. I mean, it, it, it was gone. The last one was in 2013. We went into 2014 not owing anybody nothing. It was all gone during that time. No more debt whatsoever. We took that same amount of debt that we'd been paying, several thousand, a couple thousand dollars a month, and we started investing it in 2014. From there to now, that had changed our life unbelievably. And because of that, of recognize that, that and, but what it got it was this. Here's the thing. Put, put those baby steps up there that I got there by Dave. Can you, let me tell you this. It is not you and I knowing what to do. You've got to get past that part of it. It's not, 
I need to know what to do, how to handle my finances. Remember, I was an accountant for seven years. I knew what to do. I knew what to do intellectually how to do things. I knew that, but had not fully done it. Now, we wasn't head over heels so much in debt. We couldn't breathe and that kind of stuff. We were making our bills, and, you know, we'd get paid, and money would come in our hands, and it'd say, don't worry, Leon, we're not going to be here long. We're just visiting. And the money would go right on out to the bill payment people, whatever, that kind of thing. So we, we were treading water. We were making that happen. But at the same time, we were under the struggle, and we were under uh, slavery of debt. But what it is, Dave has these steps here to get out of debt. First, when he talks about saving emergency fund of $1,000, put that aside, and then every other penny you got in the world goes on your debt. Nothing else. You, you, don't, you don't have a $1,000 emergency fund and say, I better keep this 6000 up here. I've been saying, no, that's gone too. You pay off your debt. You pay off every single debt that you have, except the house, except the house. Pay off every single debt you have, except for the house. Then... Once you get past that step two, then you save three to six months of expenses in case something happens. You got it there, and you know how to make these rash decisions. Then when you do that, you begin to invest 15% of your income for retirement. You begin to save for children's college. You pay off your house. And when all that happens, you get past uh, step six. You get to pay step seven. That's called build wealth and give. Now, you're giving the whole time, don't think, but it's giving tons of money and giving things that uh, not, not your tithe, not your offering to your church, but you're giving stuff to people. You're giving away money. That's fun. That's fun. And you get there to, to step seven, and, and you're able to do that. But that's the plan. That's the plan. And, and if you guys, you, you can see it online, but I, I got a few of them. If you guys want them, get one after church. You can see exactly what we're talking about. But that's the plan. But that's not what it is that causes people to get out of debt. Debt's not of the mind. It's of the heart. You have to make an emotional, I feel it, kind of decision in your heart. Because if you don't, when you start doing things in your mind and you hit a bump in the road, if your heart's not in it, you're going you're gonna to let that bump take you under and you're going to stay in debt. You have to be the place, I hate debt, I don't want any more debt, I don't want to owe anybody any money more, I'm tired of getting paid, and all my money goes to my bills. I'm tired of that. I don't want to live that way any longer. And it has to so affect you that what you begin to do is you begin to pay off your debt. You say, well, look, i got two cars. I don't need but one. I'm selling the other to get rid of some debt. Or I've got this. I've got that. I've got a motorcycle over here. I don't really need that. I mean, I love it, but I don't need it. I'll buy another one one day. And you sell that motorcycle. And you sell this and you sell that. And then not only that, you say, look, the job I'm making, maybe I'm making no kind of money. But if I had a part-time job, I'd make more. And you get really, really, really intense about it just for a number of months and a number of years until you get out of debt and when you do that and when you get out of debt at that point then you can slack up a little bit but other than that you put everything you've got in it getting out of debt that's the missing component that people have because people can read the steps and they know what they say they know how they read and they got it in their mind but don't have it in their heart and if you don't have it in your heart You'll keep doing things. You'll keep eating at those, you know, high-dollar places that you go and uh, pay. Well, I'll tell you what. We were out the other day. It's amazing what it costs to eat out nowadays, doesn't it? It costs a fortune, doesn't it? Well, we were at uh, 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 our friends. We had, you know, Taste of Home was in Lawrence, and we love those guys. And we'd been down there. And, again, they serve so much food, we, we couldn't go down there maybe about once a month. Not because of money, because we don't need it. But you know what I'm saying. And so they give you all you can eat. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to eat all I can eat. But anyway. And so they're at the uh, National Guard Armory, 
And I played in that place many times as a teenager. But anyway, they, they revitalized it a little bit, National Guard Army out there. We went out there to eat. And we, we, we didn't eat. We just ate whatever it was. We walked in the door and said, how much is it? And they said, here's what it was. And just for two people to eat, it was like $45. Now, to you, maybe that's not a lot of money. But, but to me, that, that was a good chunk of change, wasn't it? I mean, you know, we got $45. And it wasn't, but it, it was, that was, you know, if, if you're going to eat, say, I'm going to keep eating at places like that, still trying to get out of debt, you might as well forget it. You say, well, where do I eat while I'm trying to get out of debt? At home. What do I eat? A bologna sandwich. And you might get mayonnaise if it depends on how much debt you got. Okay? You say, well, I'm not going to do that. Well, you stay in debt then. That's what I'm saying. It's that emotion. It's that feeling. I, I, I hate it. I'm getting out of debt. I'm not going to control my life any longer. What helps you do that? One is this verse of what did it for me. And Dave kept calling me a fool. He called me a fool. He did it over and over again. Made me mad at first. I'm talking about over a several-month period. It made me mad at first to hear him say it. He said, I, you know, Dave just didn't understand. He didn't know what it was like to be born in Watts Mill and live in Lawrence, South Carolina. He didn't know it. So I said. But I kept listening to him, and finally, finally, one day I woke up one morning and I said, I'm a fool. Dave is right. I'm a fool. And it was that thinking that lodged in my heart and my life based on that verse of Scripture right here. That thinking is what changed our world. It changed it unbelievably. And, and so that's the key. It's like when you, I've got these scriptures, I've given them to you like that so that you can read them, meditate them, confess them. And finally, one day, one day, they'll hit you. You'll say, ah, I got to do this. Here's what I've been doing that's wrong. Here's what I should be doing that's right. I got to do it. And you'll just drag everybody in the family into this thing. This is the way we're headed. This is what we're going to do. You know, we're here. We're, we're sold out. We're into this thing. When you begin to do that, you'll see your financial world change. All right. The rich rules of the poor, and then the borrower is servant to the Look at Proverbs 6. I don't have that down, but look at Proverbs chapter 6, uh, verse 1. Let me show you something. In Proverbs 6 and verse 1, a little extra I want to give you here that you can pencil in there if you want to. And, and notice what the Scripture says. In Proverbs 6 and then, uh, is that where I'm supposed to be? Yep, uh, verse 1. Notice, my son, if you be surety for a friend, if you have uh, stricken your hand with a stranger, if you've shook hands on a deal, or you become a guarantor of something, of finances. Verse 2, you are snared with the words of your mouth, and you're taken with the words of your mouth. In other words, because of the agreement you said you would make, because of what you said you will do, you're obligated to fulfill your word and do it. You say, well, how do we do that? Well, you might did that if you went and bought some, uh, you know, some furniture and, and that kind of thing. And they said, well, we finance furniture. You said, okay, how much is it? And I'm going to buy, you know, a few thousand dollars worth of furniture. Don't get a whole lot nowadays, but you're going to go buy a few thousand dollars worth of furniture. And they said, well, we've got these easy revolving plans, or they used to call it years ago. Or we got the easy payment terms. We bought a, a bedroom suit here a couple of years ago at a, a furniture store out here, which works, works differently. It's been a while since we bought furniture. If I'm going to go buy furniture, I'm going to take my truck and hook a trailer to it and drive up. I'm expecting to drive off with the furniture. I know they don't work that way nowadays, do they? No, they don't. And so I, we, we pull up out there, and I say, hey, I want to buy this, that, and the other. And she says, well, we got easy payment terms. I said, I do too. She said, well, we can go 36 months on this if you want to. I said, how about just, just go five minutes on it because I'm going to write you a check right now, 
I'm not going into debt 36 months uh, on any furniture. But, but, but those things are out there. If you shake your hand on it, then notice what he says do. You're snared with your words. If you owe it, you need to pay it. Somebody say amen. If you told somebody you would, if you told the furniture company, if you told Visa or MasterCard or whoever it is, you need to pay that. Student loans. If, if you're the one borrowed the money, you're the one need to pay it off. Somebody say amen. Verse 3. Do this now. My son, deliver yourself. If you've done that, deliver yourself. When you are coming to the uh, hand or the land of your friend, go humble yourself and make sure your friend. Don't give any sleep. Give not to sleep to your eyes nor slumber to your eyelids. Deliver yourself as a roe or a gazelle from the hand of the hunter as a bird from the hand of a fowler. In other words, go quick. Gazelle is a fast animal. Roe's fast animal. Go quick. Get yourself out of it quick. Decide I'm going all in. I'm going to get out of this dead. I'm going to get out of it quick. I'm not going to let it drag out and drag out and drag out. That's why I'm not eating where I used to eat. That's why we're not spending what we used to spend. This is why we're not doing what we used to do. Because we're getting out of debt and we're getting out quick. It's hard when you spread it out over a long period of time. You get accustomed to all other kind of things. And, and that's why you need to attack it, hit it with everything you hit it with, fast, quick, you know, real sharp there, all kind of things. That's why you sell stuff, get rid of stuff, all this kind of stuff, because you're getting out of debt. That's my goal. I don't want to owe anybody anything. I don't have a zero debt in my life. And that's an emotional thing. And sometimes our emotions play out if we stretch them out and go year after year after year after year after year. It gets long, it's old, it gets tired. And so you force it and compact it as fast as you say, this is not going to last forever. One day's coming when we'll be able to do this, we'll be able to do that. One day's coming and this is just not going to last forever. And you hit it, you hit it hard. And you make the sacrifices you make to get yourself out of debt. Because truly, think about it. When you get yourself out of debt, if you had that $700 car payment, if you had that $400 visa payment, what are we at now? $1,100. If you had that $300 furniture payment, now you're at fourteen. If you were paying on those braces, the $200 a month, now you're at 1600 If you had that, if you worked your way up a couple thousand, maybe more in debt, what if you had that and didn't have to pay the debt? What could you do? How could you live? What would your life be like? If you just didn't have to pay all that in debt. And that's what you focused on. That day's coming. Right now I'm paying the price. But that day's coming. When I get there, I'll be able to do anything I want to do. All my money will be all my money. It won't be somebody else's. You'll make the decision. So the rich rose over the poor. The bar is serving the Lord. Now look at the next one. Proverbs 24, verse 33. Yet a little sleep and a little slumber and a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall poverty come on one as travail and your want as an armed man. In other words, want will come on you just like somebody's robbing you and stealing from you. As an armed man comes in, sticks the gun in your ribs and says, give me all your money. And that happens. How does it do that? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands. In other words, doing nothing, you're really robbing yourself. Sleeping away your life, not getting up, not going to work, you're robbing yourself. Benjamin Franklin wrote a book, what was it, 200 plus years ago now, uh, and it was called The Way of Wealth. And in there, he talks about people coming to this auction, and they're standing there waiting for the auction to begin. And as they're standing there, they're talking about the price of high taxes. Now, here's the funny part. 
they're, they're complaining because I think the tax was something like three cents. That you actually had to give the government three cents of every dollar. And they are complaining about those high taxes. Three cents a dollar. Now, you get to where we're at today, we're giving a whole lot more than three cents, aren't we, for each dollar. What's happened? That frog has been cooking and slowly raising the heat, and people sometimes don't notice it. But they were complaining. We had a revolution in America on the tea tax, which was, what, a penny? You mean they're going to charge us the penny tax? No way. We'll start a new country if that's going to happen. Imagine where we're at right now. Right now we're at paying 5% and 10% and 15 and 20 and 25 and 30, 35% and 37%. And I'm hearing now they're wanting to raise that top income rate even higher, even higher than that. And if they don't, inflation raises it higher without, even, without Congress doing anything. Inflation takes it up anyway. So anyway, uh, and they're, they're talking about that. And what happens is a conversation goes on uh, inside of this auction that they're going to. And they're talking about the high prices of taxes. And this guy, I don't fully understand his name, but poor Richard comes up there, who ain't poor. But poor Richard comes up there and says, you know what? I'll tell you something that's higher than taxes. And he said, we all know taxes are grievous, and we all hate to pay them, but I'll tell you something higher than taxes. And he said, here's what it is. It's when you sleep too long and you waste your time and you're not productive. You rob yourself more than those tax dollars would ever rob you. You rob yourself more. And what you have to learn is this. When, he, when he's talking about here, a little sleep, a little slumber, folding of hands, things don't happen unless you have activity, unless you have action, unless you do something. Listen very carefully. Here's a great powerful statement. Some people say, well, what can I do to earn more money? Maybe in a savings account. You, you know the local banks, they don't pay anything. They, they, it makes you mad to even talk to them. And uh, they pay like 1% or one-tenth of 1% on your checking card interest and call it interest. And then you put a little bit more in there. You might get a little, a little a money market account. And uh, they might want to pay you 1% on a money market account or take you to some CD. And if you promise, you give them their money. I talked to a bank the other week, and, and they said, I said, what you got on CDs? And they said, well, you know, it, it's, it's a five-year CD. And uh, on a five-year CD, we can go 2.5%. And I said, really? I said, two and a half years on five years. I said, what happens if you don't go to five years? Well, you lose the interest. Said, but she said, but don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry about anything. Because if you come in and you tell us what's going on, I said, you can't do it online. I said, no, you would have to come in and you tell us what's going on. We'll usually give you money and just, you just won't make that higher rate. There won't be any penalty. I said, you mean I'm going to give you my money? Tell you I'm going to let you hold it for five years. If I want it back, I've got to come in and whine and cry and beg you to give my money back. I said, that ain't happening. I'm not doing that. found an online bank that pays 4.35%, 4.5% interest right now. But that 4.5% interest is not, not your greatest source of income. Your greatest source of income is your job. Your income is your greatest source of your income. That that you make and bring into your own life is your greatest source of income because you'll never even get that little 4.35%. You'll never even get this other rate. If you're in the stock market, average been 10% over the last 50 years. You won't get that 10% or if you've been in some other things, 20 25%. You, you won't ever get that. You won't ever get that if you don't have income there. 
And, and so what we really need to recognize is if we have a body that's able to do it, if we're disabled, I understand. But if we have a body, we're able to work, we're able to move, we're able to do, we're able to talk, see, and hit, listen, we're able to create some income in our life. And that's your most powerful wealth-building tool is your income. The most powerful wealth-building tool we have is our income. It, it, it's not just staying in the bed, not getting up, sleeping. It's not slumber. It's not folding our hands and doing nothing. We have to have activity in our life to make these kind of things happen. Now, again, sometimes in the Christian world, we think, well, God, Lord, supply all my needs in Jesus' name. All right. Okay. All right. Stand around and waiting. Stand around and waiting. No. Give him something that he can bless. Get something going on in your life. There are so many opportunities for people to make money now and lots of money. People begging people to have jobs out in our community. Signs go up and all kinds of and paying unreasonable, you know, hourly rates. I, I don't understand it. I mean, you know, they, what is it? McDonald's walking the door at $15 an hour right now. And have you been there lately? I don't know where them people work that before they work there, but they've never seen food in their life. I don't know. But, but $15 an hour, that's a lot of money just for my flip a hamburger. You know, McDonald's was not built for you to come in and get a uh, salary at McDonald's and you raise four kids, go on vacation twice a year, and send all your kids to college. That's not a McDonald's job. It's an entry-level job. It's where you just start now. That's what it is. That's why it was paying lower than it used to. But anyway, there you have it. But, but if we're going to do nothing, notice what happened in verse 34. Poverty will come on one that, that travaileth, as one that travaileth, and your want as an armed man. For me to do nothing, I'm robbing myself. That's what I'm doing. I'm robbing myself. Sheila is, you know, she grew up in her father's family, of course, and he had a great work ethic, and he instilled that in her. You will not find Sheila at our house uh, you know, she'll take a nap every now and then in the afternoon on Sunday afternoon. I mean, you might take a nap on Sunday afternoon. Sometimes we do if we get home in time, whatever. But uh, we'll do that, and she, she does that too occasion. But anytime you see her, she's doing. She is going. She is doing. She is making stuff happen. She, except vacuum. She don't vacuum no more with that stupid eye robot. But anyway, everything else, she, she's doing. She's a worker. And that will produce in your life if you'll be active in whatever that you do. Look at Proverbs 27, verse 23. Notice this. Be thou diligent to know the state of your flock. Be diligent to know the state of your flock. I've got a little something right here. This might be something you might be interested in. If uh, maybe uh, Matt Lewis, if I get you guys to help me with this, and, and let me just give you the, a little, he, he let you look at it, and I'll show you what this. Yeah, go, go to the other side over there, Matthew. You can, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you. Be diligent to know the state of your flock. Now we read that a lot of times talking about pastors and pastoral ministry or shepherding that AJ's going to talk about uh, next uh, Saturday. Uh, being diligent that means be a worker at it. Be proactive. Uh, don't not do anything. Uh, if you want one, one of those family, if you want one. But uh, be diligent to know the state of your flock. So, so what is your state? What is the state of your flock? Uh, if you were a herdsman, uh, you were a cattle farmer, or you had sheep or those kind of things, uh, you want to look at your sheep and count them. You want to look at your cattle and count them. How am I doing? Has the wolf come in and got anything? Uh, have I got some foals going here? Uh, have I got some new lambs that's coming uh, this spring? Well, what, what's going on? You, you want to know what's going on, or you're not going to be in the shepherding business uh, that long. Notice 
be diligent to know the state of your flocks and look well to your herds. Look well to, to the cattle that you have there. Verse 24, for riches are not forever. Notice that. The flow of money and riches are not forever. And doth the crown endure to every generation. Just because this generation was successful, does that mean it's going to go to success for the second generation? Not at all. Not at all. Riches are not forever. And, and so whenever you get money in your hands, you better decide what you can do with that money because it's not going to last long. It's not forever. So some of the most, you know, sad things that you see in people's lives sometimes when they will receive an inheritance. And they'll get a little bit of money here. They're 50, 100, 200, 300, half million. I don't know. They get a little inheritance or something from someone, and they get it. And, boy, they think they got all the money in the world. And all they had a couple hundred thousand, whatever it was. But they think it's all the money in the world. And that money's gone in about two or three months or five or six months or a year or a year and a half. And it's gone. They just spit it. Everybody say riches are not forever. You're going to have to look over the state of your flock. Now, what, what I've given you there is basically, don't get, uh, you know, offended at the accounting language, but it's basically, it basically says uh, net worth at the top. You might ask yourself, what am I worth? What, what am I worth? There's a saying, uh, not a saying, remember that show, A Wonderful Life, the Christmas show? When, when Jimmy Stewart, is somebody's had, had a bad banking transaction at the bank, and what has happened uh, when that took place, uh, somebody, $8,000 is gone, he can't find it. And then he goes to Mr. Potter, the richest man in town, and wants to borrow the money from him. Mr. Potter says, what do you have? And Jimmy really doesn't have anything. He got that old house they're trying to uh, fix up. But he really doesn't have anything. He works at the bank. He doesn't have anything. And he said, but I got this life insurance policy. And he holds his life insurance policy out and says, I've got this. I've got this. And Mr. Potter says, he looks at it. He said, well, you're worth more dead than alive. You remember that? Worth more dead than alive. Well, how much are you worth? Don't wait till we're dead to find out what we're worth. How much are you worth? If you said, how much am I worth? Notice on the left-hand side, I've got assets right there. And I sort of made it personal rather than business. But your home. home what, do you have a home that you're buying? Whatever. If you have a home, you say, and homes cost a lot of money today. And they really do. And, and, and so home, do you have a home? What's your home worth? Is it worth 100000 worth 200000 Is it worth three, four, five, six, seven, eight million? How much is your home worth? Uh, you'd write that down right there. Uh, wh- what about vehicles? What are your vehicles worth? You, you'd write that down there too. How, how much the vehicles cost? Or, or what, what you could sell them for. This is what you can sell it for, not what you paid for it. What you can sell it for. What about any kind of jewelry that you have? You write that down. That's one good thing about church. Sheila and I uh, grew up in, and we love the church, but uh, we didn't wear jewelry, so that's cheapo. We didn't, we didn't have, when we got married, we didn't have a wedding ring. But uh, anyway, but we do now. So, but jewelry. And then furniture, you got some furniture that you could sell. Uh, all of that, no, I'm not saying sell it, just saying what's it worth. That's the price you put on it. What about your boat? Uh, what about something else that you might have? What about cash? You got a checking account? How much money you got? How about an emergency fund? You got an emergency savings account or three to six months expense account? Have you got a college fund? Have you got a certificate of deposit, CD? How about a money market account, life insurance, cash value, not term, but cash value? Have you got any of that? Anything else? What about investments? You got an IRA, you got a 401k. You got any savings, bonds, mutual funds, stocks, real estate, uh, other things like that? You'd list every bit of that on the left. And that would be the good news of what you say that you have. But it's not what you're worth. Because now we've got the right-hand side of the page. What do you owe on what you have? 
if you had, for example, and you listed on a house, you said, hey, my house is worth, you know, a quarter of a million, 250000 but I owe 180 on it. Then how much house do you really have? You only have $70,000 in the house. You don't own all that house. Remember, me and the bank. Used to be a saying years ago, it's a good car you got. You like that? Yeah. Whose is it? It's mine and the bank's. Me and the bank. And that first day was more the bank's than it was ours, wasn't it? And, and so it's mine and the bank. But that mortgage loan. Uh, what about a home equity loan? You know what a home equity? Those home equity loan makes me so mad. I watch television and this uh, lady comes on there talking about, did you know that you could have $40,000 today? Some of you could have 70, some of you could have 80. And you can do it through our home loan that we have where you take your home and the equity that you've worked hard and built for is yours. You deserve it. And we will give that to you. And so you could have a $300,000 house. You could owe 200 on it. And you got 100,000 equity. You go to her and she loans you the 100,000 and now you don't own any house anymore. Now the bank owns 200 and she owns the other. So anyway, so, so you see what net worth is? It's when you subtract from what you own, your assets minus liabilities equals net worth. But you subtract what you own from what you have, and that tells you what you're worth. Okay? And, and then notice the car loans. What about the car? You know, you buy a car, a new car. They say when you drive it off the lot is, is a, you know, the biggest loss that you'll have when you just buy it that same day. And car prices went up and down lately, so a lot of variations there. But, but still, if you own the car, if you have a car that's worth, I don't know, 30, 40, 50, 60, not hard, 70, $80,000 car, and uh, you owe money on that car, how much you owe on it? And nowadays, they let you get upside down on cars. They didn't do that earlier in our life. You, you had to prove you just had the money in the bank just about to pay it before you'd get a car loan. But anyway, nowadays, they let you get upside down. You can take your last car that you didn't get paid for and roll it into your next car that you're buying and your next car, and you can f- finally get out there, and you might be driving a $30,000 car that you owe $50,000 on. And no way you're going to get your money out of it. And so you're upside down. That's what it's called, being upside down on your loan. And, and so what do you own those cars that you said you had on the left? Uh, what about student loans? And you've got to pay your student loans. I mean, the government will not let you bankrupt that. If you went into bankruptcy court, you could bankrupt everything but student loans. The government's going to make sure they get their money. And they're not going to let you bankrupt that student loan. And so you've got to pay off that student loan. You need to think about some of those student loans, too. Because I know people, I personally know people uh, that have done well in college and got out of college and are making good money. Thank God for it. I know, I know some others went through college, don't even use a degree they have, not making good money. And then the other guy that's out here that may be doing heat and air or the other guy out here, a plumber, making a whole lot more money than the college grads made. And so there's an industry out there in college that's made to take our money. It, it's very, very, very complicated to look at it but this out there so be careful but student loans student loans out there imagine being a, a doctor in medical and you spent four or five hundred thousand dollars on on college and you get out and you got to live like the rest of the doctors and you want a hummer and you want a big house and you go into massive debt and then you buy into a practice at a quarter of a million three hundred thousand dollars you buy into a, a practice of doctors you do all this you buy all that life insurance they got to buy uh, some doctors are making tons of money tons of money don't have a dime it is very, very sad, very, very sad on such a high income does not determine how much money you have. You say, if I could make this tremendous amount of income, I'd be well. It doesn't determine that. You can make a small amount of income and do wise things with it and have much, much more money than somebody that has a large amount of income. I had a fellow one time that had a large amount of income this, a few years ago, and he was making somewhere around 300000 a year. How many would say that's, that's pretty good income, 300000 a year? And he was making 300000 and he picked me up in a Ferrari. 
He did. Picked me up in a Ferrari, and he said, I want to take you to lunch. He took me to lunch. I knew, and he lives in a mansion. He took me to lunch, living in a mansion, driving a Ferrari, making $300,000 a year. Took me to lunch, and it took him, when he paid for the lunch, it took him three credit cards to pay for it because the first two were maxed out. I'll, you know, I got to the end. I said, look, I'll pay for this if you don't have money. I mean, not a big deal, whatever. But, but so the amount of money you make does not determine what you're worth. If you look here, this will help you know. Fill it out. Not now. And it'll help you know the name, uh, the, the state of your flock and where you're at. Because you've got to know where you're at. And sometimes just filling that out, you, you look at it and say, ooh, I need to do something. I need to make some kind of change. I need to do something in a hurry. I need something quick. And maybe fill it out and make you smile real big and be happy. Wow, this is great. Maybe it'll do that too. Maybe it will. But it'll give you that opportunity to know the state of your flock. Okay, let me get one last thing here, and we're, we're going to shut her down here. Verse 27, verse 23, know the state of your flock. Now then, look, look at uh, Proverbs 28, 20, last one on that page. A faithful man shall abound with blessing. Notice it. A faithful man shall abound with blessing. If you are faithful over the things that God has given you, you will abound with blessing. Remember Jesus talked about it. We'll see a little bit later. He, he says that if you're faithful over the little things or a few things, I'll make your ruler over much. And so you have to start where you're at. And if you're, if you're faithful over the little that you have, then it can grow into much. No matter where you're at, it, it, it works. And so he's saying that a faithful man shall abound with blessing. Everybody say, that is me. That's you. That's you. That's me. That's me. That's what you have to say when you read these powerful scriptures that we're putting now. Notice the rest of that. But he that makes haste to be rich shall not be innocent. In other words, the person that tries to get rich quick and fast, simple and easy, he's not going to be innocent. He's going to be judged guilty. He is not going to make it. There is no such thing, listen carefully, as a rule, as get rich quick. Now, if you say, well, what about the Beverly Hillbillies? Remember that show? Back in the 60s, Beverly Hillbillies. They discovered oil on their land, didn't they? And when they did, they, sent, they moved out to Hollywood, one of the worst places in the world to live. They moved out to Beverly Hills in Hollywood and lived out there and kept living just like he's living in a log cabin. I think they even brought it with them for a while, lived in a log cabin out there on that side of the mansion. But anyway, it didn't change their lifestyle or whatever, but they got rich. Well, yeah. Can that happen? Mm, it can. But you know what? Most of the uh, uh, NBA and uh, NFL people who get rich, rich, rich real fast, don't keep it. So how could you not? Listen, there's plenty of people out there to take your money if you want to give it to them. There's plenty of people out there just looking for your money. They had you in mind this morning when they woke up. Okay? And so if you can make gobs and bukus of money, tons of money, you, you, you can do that uh, in, in, in a small and a short fashion or in a hasty way. But that's not the way that it happens for 99.9% .9 of the rest of us. And so what you have to do is figure your financial plan in your life, your, your stewardship goals in your life, where you're at, what you're, you're working, what you're doing, how you're living now. And if along the way of you becoming wealthy that way, somebody drops a few million into your hands, okay, we'll all rejoice with you, okay? But if that doesn't happen and you don't win the lottery 
and, and somebody doesn't come by and write you this. And people hear these stories. I remember years ago I heard Benny Hinn talk about a guy took him to lunch. One guy wrote him a check for 300000 gave it to him to pay off the church. Another guy wrote him a check for 300000 just for him uh, and Suzanne, his wife, and their ministry. He said, well, that's what I'm believing for. Well, wait a minute now. Wait, 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 wait. That's what you believe. What, what church are you pastoring now? Uh, what, what ministry, television ministry do you have where it can reach out and touch millions of people that there amongst that million will come in? Well, no, I've got a, a few friends, and most of them don't like me. No. <laughs> no. No. I mean, get, get real on some of this stuff. Sometimes we as, as I don't want to say average Christian, we as, as normal Christians, we think, wow, this is going to happen me here there. I mean, I've had people give me stuff over the years that they wouldn't have given me if I wasn't a pastor and in other areas of my life, too. They wouldn't have given me if I wasn't who I was. To them, anyway, it wouldn't happen. But you don't live your life based on that. You live your life based on, okay, this is my income, this is my ability, this is my time commitment, this is my family, this is where I'm at, and I need to work to manage and be a good steward over what I have right now. And if that big, big windfall comes in, fine. I mean, I don't know if, if you know, Walmart moves beside of you and gives you $50,000, take it. <laughs> That's fine. That's okay. But uh, that happened to me. But otherwise, otherwise... Keep on going and keep working and being honest and good and handling your money the Bible way, and you'll see increase. But once you try to get this stuff overnight and once you try to get real hasty about it, then you're going to be in problems because you're going to do something you shouldn't have done. And when you don't understand it, what you're doing, and you rush into it, fools rush in where angels fear to tread, and you rush into that kind of thing in your life, you're probably going to make a mistake. So, so, so don't do something hastily. Don't do it just instantaneously like that. Don't just say, oh, it's a good thing. I've got to jump on it right now. Well, if it's a good thing, it'll, it'll be there tomorrow. Oh, I won't either. This is a one-time shot. No, it'll be there tomorrow if I'm going to do it. Because I'm not doing it today. Most every financial decision we make, we never make it today. We never make it today. It's going to be days, weeks, maybe months, maybe years before we make bigger financial decisions You're just not gonna do it today we're not gonna do anything hastily and, and some of those things you glad you waited when you find out and see what happened in people's lives and so recognize it this thing right here these seven baby steps I got right there that thing right there and i got some up here if you want them. that is not going to make you wealthy overnight it won't make you wealthy by the end of next week i thought god could do anything pastor it won't make you wealthy next month. <laughs> Somebody said, well, speak the word. Isn't that how you get me delivered from this, from this uh, poverty spirit? Yeah, Jesus. I've been doing the whole service speaking the word to you. That's what I've been doing, delivering you the whole service. And, 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 and so that's what we do. And we settle in. Now, if along the way that great blessing falls here or that great blessing falls there, fine. That's good. That's great. That's okay. Take it. Receive it. Be blessed of it. Pay your tithes on it. Honor God. Give some to somebody else that's in need as well. And live off and be happy. But if it doesn't, then you need to have this other regular, solid, biblical, consistent plan in your life where you're handling your money God's way. If you do it, if you do it, remember, it is the Lord God that gives you the power to get wealth. That's what's been happening for this last 45 minutes. God's been giving you power to get wealth. It's happening to you right now. What you do with it and what I do with it are our choices. I think we're going to make some good decisions. Somebody say amen. 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 Stand with this morning. We'll go before the Lord, and we'll, we'll, we'll let you out here.
today, give you an early break today so you don't have to stay to four this afternoon. All right, let's go to the Lord. Let's lift your hands toward heaven. Let's pray. Say this prayer with me. Say, Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I recognize my most important thing is my soul and my relationship with you. Therefore, Lord God, look into my heart and into my life. Anything there not like Jesus, take it away. I give it up and I ask for the cleansing of my life with your precious blood. So in Jesus' name, I thank you. I am the righteousness of God. I follow the Word of God. I believe the Word of God. I act on the Word of God. And the Word of God comes to pass in my life. I am the house of the righteous. And in the house of the righteous are wealth and riches. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah, hallelujah. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this faith-filled message. Please connect with us at our website, gospeltabernaclechurch.com, so we can continue to be a part of your faith walk. And if you're listening today and you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, now is the time to do that. Now, today, is the day of salvation. Pray this prayer with me. Dear Father, I believe you sent your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, to die for my sins on the cross. And you have raised him from the dead that I might be alive in him. Jesus, I confess you are Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, welcome. You're now in the family of God. You're a child of God. Connect with us. Let us know if you prayed that prayer. We want to be right there alongside you as you walk out this journey of faith in Christ. God bless you.